Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff Spirky Abishir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perky Abish Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. Chapter 3, Mishnah 14. And again, it's little, it's different iterations in some of the other versions of the Mishnahis. Mishnah says, Who are your Emir used to say? Chaviv Adam Shenivra B'Tselem. That a person is dear to God because he was created B'Tselem, he was created in the image of God. Chiba Yisera, but it is an extra measure of, of love that God showed. Nodas Lo Shenivra B'Tselem. In that he told him that he was created B'Tselem Elohim in the image of God. Shenamr, as it says, B'Tselem Elohim Asa Esa Adam. As it says that in the image of God, he created man. Now, it's very interesting. The place that you would imagine that this Pasuk should be from, when you bring a proof text in a Mishnah, would have been from the first place that Selim Elohim appears. The first place that appears is in creation. This is in chapter 9 of Genesis, which really deals with the prohibition of murder. And I don't know if I'm going to get to that in, in my explanation of the Mishnah, but it's definitely something that has to be looked at of why this was chosen as the Pasuk. Okay, that's number one in the Mishnah. Number two, Chaviv in Yisrael, the Jewish people are dear to God. Shinikru banim lemakom, that they are called children to God. Chiba Yisera no daslehem, shinikru banim lemakom, but in an extra measure of love, God informed them that they were called banim lemakom. Shinam, as it says, banim atem l'ashem l'kechem, as it says in Devarim, that you are children to the Lord your God. And then number three, Chaviv and Yisrael, how dear are the Jewish people? Shenitan lehem klichemda, that they were given this vessel of beauty, Chib, which is referring to the Torah. Chiba Yisera, an additional love was shown to them, nodas lehem shenitan lehem klichemda, that they were, they were let known that they were given this klichemda, shabo nivra olam, with which God created the world. Shinem, as it says, Ki tov nasati lochem, that I have given you um, a good portion, Tairasi al tazovu, my Torah, you should not leave it. Now, what in the world is that Mishnah talking about? What is, what is that Mishnah teaching us again? What's the ethical lesson that the, the Mishnah is teaching me? If you look, you have to you have to be your eyes have to be opened in this mission. You have to look carefully. That's the first step. Then the second step is Chavivin Yisrael. And then the third step is also Chavivin Yisrael. So there's something something going on in this Mishnah where it first talks to humanity, 
and then it talks to the Jews. And what exactly is that message? Why is it a chibi Yaseirah that God told us? Why did God give us the Torah? Because he wanted to be connected to us. Why did God call us children? Because he feels connected to us. If the whole purpose to feel connected to us, then one would imagine that when you give a gift, you have to let the person know that you're giving a gift. Then it's not a chibi Yaseirah. It's not an extra measure of love. It is the love itself. If I give you a gift, I drop it off anonymously. I've made you feel great, but I have done nothing for our relationship. You have no idea I gave it to you. That's why the Talmud actually instructs that when you give a gift to a child, you actually have to tell the parents. Now, nowadays, the, the reason why you have to tell the parents is because otherwise they're going to find out that you gave it to the child. They're going to arrest you for, uh, you know, for, for child molestation. It's, uh, so you've got to be very careful. But, but the Talmud was not worried about those things. Those were not the days of the Talmud. What the Talmud was worried about is if you give a gift to a child, the purpose of giving the gift is so that the parents will look at it and say, wow, what a nice man, and they'll feel connected to you. But if you don't let the parents know where that's coming from, if it's not, if you don't let the person know where the gift is, is coming from, so then it does nothing to foster a relationship. Now, the truth is, giving anonymously is, is a, a decent thing when you're doing it, when you're doing it for a... Um, for, for a uh, an institution, for when you when you and I'm sorry, giving anonymously is a good thing to do when you're giving to another person, but but for tzedakah, but not necessarily necessarily if you're trying to build a relationship. If you're trying to build a relationship, you need to know where that gift is coming from. Then why is it called a chiba yisera when God told us where that gift was coming from? It's not an extra measure of love. It's the whole point of the love. So what does a chiba yisera mean? Now, we know by Tzedakah, it's the exact opposite. By Tzedakah, we know that charity is about giving anonymously. And the, only by giving to an institution do we encourage people not to give anonymously. I don't know how many people realize that, but a lot of people like to give anonymously because whatever, and it's a good thing. It comes from a good place, but there's something wrong with giving to an to a organization anonymously because then it doesn't have the desired effect of encouraging other people to give money. When it comes, though, to helping a poor person directly, there it should be done anonymously. Because there we don't want the person to feel beholden. We don't want the person to feel that they owe you something. So if that's the case, when I give you something and I, you, and I, I let you know that I gave it to you, so then there's a certain amount of gratitude you need to have to me. And if you're not comfortable with that gratitude, remember we spoke um, yesterday and the day before, that if you're not comfortable with a gift that somebody gives you, so then you feel beholden to them. And eventually what you can do is reject them. That's why children reject parents, because they realize that they, they don't have any identity of their own. Their identity is coming through their parents. And that when their parent gives them something, so then they push back because they, they, need to, they need to find their own identity. This happens a lot of times with Ba'alei Tshuva and with Geirim, that when they were taught by, by someone and they were raised by someone, so very often they, they turn and reject that person because they come to a realization that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them and they're not healthy enough to recognize how to deal with them how to feel that sense of I'm the luckiest person in the world that I had a guide and that I had somebody to, 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 to take me to this place. My Rebbe, um, who had the, I had the great schuss of having my Rebbe speak at, um, at a, a dinner that they, they just, a dinner, a Zoom thing that they just made in our honors. We left our shul um, and, my, and my Rebbe spoke. 
And it was to me the greatest honor. And I am willing to say, for, uh, to shout from the rooftops that if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to stand on my own two feet. That he, he gave me everything I had. Sometimes he doesn't want me to blame him for things. But, but nevertheless, I, I, I'm, and I'm happy to say that, that my, my Rebbe, I'm happy to say that my father was a, was a major influence in my life and that I got, I got everything I got an, 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 you know, an, incredible, an incredible outlook and a vision and an understanding of life from my father. I have no problem with saying that. Many people have a difficulty saying that, though. If we know that this is true, that people have a difficulty with this, then how can we call it a chiba yaseira, an extra measure of love for God to let us know that, look, I created you, I gave you the Torah, and I, and I made you my children, when that would sort of force us to have to feel beholden to him and it's not necessarily a good outcome. So what is this Mishnah teaching? What's it, just just what's the, what does it mean, this Mishnah? So let's discuss for a minute, what is it, Selim Elohim? What is the image of God? When we say that inside of us exists the image of God, what does that mean? A lot of people have many different ways of explaining it, but I'll tell you what I think. The simplest way of understanding, and it's what, the way our rabbis explain what it's Selim Elohim is. Selim Elohim is really the, the concept of Bechira, the ability for us, Bechira Chavshis, the ability for us to be able to make choices, the ability for us to be able to, to, to be in control and to make changes in our lives. One of the great differences between us and animals is that a human being has the ability to be able to say yes or no. The, ability, the human being has the ability to be able to change themselves. You know, I can look in a mirror and I can say to myself, I'm not happy with the way I am. And I want to improve X, I want to improve Y, and I can make those changes. An ant can't look in the mirror and say, I'm tired of pushing a piece of bread around. I want to be a lion. He can roar bizmarg biz and it's not going to make a difference. He's not a lion. He can't change himself. There is nothing. He's locked into being an ant. He can be an obnoxious ant. He can be a ferocious ant, but he's an ant. He can't change. A lion can't look at himself. This is not the Wizard of Oz. A lion cannot get courage. He cannot, a lion can't change himself. He can't change his stripes and decide that he wants to be something different. A human being has that ability. We have that ability because that's part of our Tselem Elohim. That's part of the image, the part of the godliness that God placed inside of us. When we talk about this concept, of Bechira Chavshis, of free choice. Many people pervert that concept. And they say that we have Bechira Chavshis, we have the ability to choose. I could choose to keep mitzvahs or I could choose not to keep mitzvahs. The choice is in my hands. That's what it means that God gave me the ability to choose. That's not what it means. What it means is, is that I have the ability to choose to take poison. In other words, I have the ability to choose to make the wrong decision. And therefore, when I make the right decision, I have chosen the right decision, but it doesn't mean that God has given me the ability and the right to make that wrong decision. I can do whatever I want. If I want to make the wrong decision, you can. You sort of, of course can make the wrong decision, but that's not what Bechir is. Bechir is not that, God, not that God places you in the world and says, okay, the choice is up to you. I'm giving you 10 suggestions, and let's say, you know, if you want to follow them, that's fine. And if not, so then, you know, have a nice life, and, you know, I'll, I'll see you when you die. That's not the way it goes. It's that God gives us 10 commandments. He gives us 613 mitzvahs, tzivuyim, their obligations. The bechira, the choice comes in that he puts other things in the world that drag us in another direction, and he puts us in the middle between the two, and he says, okay, now let me see what you're going to do. 
let me see you use your ability to choose, to choose to ennoble yourself, to choose to raise yourself, as opposed to choosing to destroy yourself. Every human being is created with this ability. That's the first step of the Mishnah, is to let us know that Chaviv Adam, that a person is dear, all humanity is dear, because a human being, every human being is created different than an animal. And every human being is created in Tzalem Elokim. Now it happens to be that there is a machlagis every shrine as to whether, the, whether every human being, what Bechir Chavshis looks by Jews and non-Jews, if it looks different or if it looks the same, that's not my, not, not my issue nor the issue right now of the Mishnah, but that everybody on some level has been created in the image of God, in the spiritual image of God, with this ability to be able to, to control themselves and to make choices, that everybody was, was given. That's step number one. Then the Mishnah comes along and tells me that the Jewish people have something special. The Jewish people were brought closer to God because they are bonim, they are his children. That God shows us to have that kind of special relationship with him, and it's the special status, and that we were chosen to have that special relationship. What does it mean, though, when we call ourselves the chosen people, when the Torah calls us the chosen people? That in my, in my liberal world, and, and I'm not a liberal, but in the liberal world that I've been, you know, I've been incubated in for the past 33 years of, of you know, listening to many liberal Jews, that one of the things that is an anathema to many Jews is this concept of, of chosen people. Because this is, the, according to many, the basis of anti-Semitism. This is, a, uh, this is something that separates people from each other by calling ourselves the chosen people. It's only because we don't understand what the word chosen means. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided that, w- that the world needed to, um, needed to live with God, he created himself in 10 points in the world. That's, that's what it means when it says, that with 10 utterances, he created the world. He put himself in 10 points in the world and covered it over with nature and with other things so that you wouldn't be able to see him. You'd have to use your Bechira. You'd have to be able to use your free choice to be able to see him. He then gave us 10 generations to be able to see him without him revealing himself, but with his existence in the world to be able to connect ourselves to him. And those are the 10 generations from Adam to Noah. It didn't work. God pressed reset, started again, gave another 10 generations from Noah till Abraham to give us a chance to be able to see at least one point of godliness in the world. We weren't able to see that either. And then God looked at it and said, I now, if this is not going to work, if people are not going to be able to come to God on his own, so then what I'm going to have to do is to create some kind of system where there's going to be teachers who are going to know the way to reach to God. They're going to understand the 10 points of reference of God in this world and therefore, they're going to teach it to the rest of the world. God chose Avram, though he wasn't ready to, to teach that to the world. So Avram got 10 tests. Each one of those tests clarified the point of God to Avram. And then God, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, they set down the roots all the way through to Moshe. And now the, the, this, this nation that came from Avram was now ready to go into and to learn these 10 points. And that was the Ten Commandments. Every one of the mitzvahs of the Torah is under one of those commandments. All 613 is contained inside of those 10 commandments. And therefore, by giving us those 10 points, God revealed to us how we reveal God in our daily lives. And now we're meant to take that revelation of God 
that exists inside of the Jewish people, and we're meant to bring that to the rest of the world. And when God changed that system from everybody seeing God in the world to having a teacher to show you how to see God in the world, for us to be the example of the world, that is when God chose us as his nation. When we say that we are the chosen people, we are chosen for a responsibility to be able to teach the rest of the world how to reach God. It is not something that we can use to lord ourselves over the rest of the world. After all, we're God's chosen people. It is a conference of incredible responsibility, of an incredible achrayus that we have to the rest of the world, recognizing that we are bonim, that we are God's children. And that is our godless, that is our greatness, that we were given bechiro, we were given the ability to be able to choose and to use that choice in order to be able to foster our relationship with God. Now, what is considered one of the most incredible things that the Jewish people did as the Jewish people? We stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and we said the words Nasev and Nishma. That was considered something amazing. We will do and we will listen was considered something that was earth-shattering. It changed the very nature of the world. It was, in fact, up until that point, an angelic formula. It was something that the angels said in front of God, Nasev and Nishma. And as a matter of fact, when we said those words, Nasev and Nishma, which was second, first we said, Nasev, we will do, and then we said, Nasev and Nishma, like a, it was almost like a graduation. God said, Me, Gila, Lebani, who revealed to my children this incredible secret of the angels? This was something that was between me and the angels, Nasev and Nishma. Who would have taught this to the human beings? But I ask you to, to think about that for a moment. What's greater, Nasa, we will do, or Nasa Venishma, we will do and we will understand? Nasa means that I will do even if you never explain it to me. Even if I never understand it, I will Nasa, I will do. God, whatever you tell me, that's what I'm going to do. Nasa Venishma is, is that I will do, but eventually I know that I'm going to come to understand this. Until I come to understand it, I will do it. But it's with an understanding that I'm going to come to understand this. It sounds like Nasa is bigger than Nasa Vinishma. So why is Nasa Vinishma considered such an amazing thing? That it was something that the angels, it was the domain of the angels and not necessarily the domain of human beings. Why would the angels say Nasa Vinishma? The angels, there's no, there's no Nishma by angels. There's no understanding by angels. They're angels. All they need is Nasa. They were created this way. This is what they are. Who's greater? Angels or humans? So I'm sure that I've mentioned it before. I'm, I'm, I'm in a little rush now, so I'm not going to elaborate on it. I will get it another time. But human beings are greater than angels. And I know that's a little shocking because you imagine that angels are greater than human beings. By the way, angels are not. Um, what happens to human beings after they die, they become angels. Only in Hollywood does that happen. And they made a lot of money off of those. It was some good movies. But that's not the reality. The reality is, is that angels are a separate brios, a separate creation in the world. There are humans, there are angels. There's actually a bridge between humans and angels, and they're called shadim. They're called demons. We'll get to that at a different time. But the, the human beings... There are some human beings that are like shadim also. They're also like demons, but that's a whole other story. But there, there are human beings... That um, but the angels, there, there is no, there is no um, nishma in them. 
Who's greater? Angels or humans? The human being is greater. And the reason the human being is greater is because we grow. We use our Bechira to become who we are. We're not programmed. We're not, we are not, there is, we aren't set. An angel is created and that's who the angel is. But by me, not defining who I am, because I could be anything. An angel can only be what he is programmed to be. An angel of fire, an angel of healing, an angel of an angel of whatever, but that he is defined as that. And that's what he is in his entire existence as an angel. That is who he is. What he was created for is what he is, is what his very essence and identity is. But by a human being, I, that is not who I am because I could be anything. And therefore what I do does not identify me. What I do is just what I chose to do. My identity comes from other things. My identity does not come from the things that I do. The choices that I make don't define me. What defines me is my essence, my character, who I am as a person that defines me. But the things that I do, I could choose to do anything. I could choose to do it this way. I could choose to do it that way. I could choose to be a doctor. I could choose to be a lawyer. Therefore, being a doctor or a lawyer doesn't identify who I am. The kind of person that I am, the kind of mensch that I am, that's what identifies me. By a malach, what he does identifies him. The, the malach of healing, the angel of healing, is himself healing. The angel of memory is memory. The angel of fire is fire. It's his essence. The angel of war is, in, is it's his essence is that. It's intrinsically who they are. We're not created as anything. We are created parav. We can choose what we do. The greatness of Nasev and Nishma means that we, Nasev means that we will do the Nishma. It will be heard from us. In other words, this will be our identity, that this will be the way you identify me. I'm a Torah Yid, I'm a Torah Jew. That will be what I am. It will define our very essence. It will define our identity. And that's why this was considered as such an amazing thing, Nasev and Nishma. These are the three steps that God is telling us is the essence of our existence. First, we're human beings. We have Bechira. Second, we use that Bechira, that choice to choose to foster our relationship with God. And three, we are, we, we have, we, God gave us this Kli Chemda, this beautiful Kli this beautiful vessel he gave us, the Torah, to bring purpose into our lives and to be able to use that to enhance the lives of humanity, of the rest of the world. And the Mishnah tells us that it's a Chiba Yiseira that he gave us. It wasn't just that he created that within us, but that he taught it to us and identified for us the value of it the value of having Bechira, the value of being God's children, the value of being entrusted with God's Kli Chemda so that we could use it to identify ourselves. Who am I? I'm a Tzelem Elokim. Who am I? I'm Bonamatem Lashem Elikeichem. I am God's child. Who am I? I am the keeper of the Kli Chemda. I am the keeper of that incredible vessel. We recognize how much God loves us when he identifies not just that he gave us the vessel, but that he teaches us the value of that vessel.
description of what its intrinsic value really is. And these are three things that a Jew has to identify with. With Tselem Elohim, with God loves us as his children, and the Torah, which tells us the value of what we have in our hands. And that's the lesson of this Mishnah, of how a Jew has to look at themselves in relations to this world. I am Tselem Elohim, I am a child of God, and I am the keeper of God's Kli Chemda. I am the watcher, the guardian of God's Kli Chemda. And therefore I have a responsibility to the rest of the world to enlighten them as to who we are and what God wants from us. That's the power of what Rabbi Kiva is teaching us. That these are the three things a person has to have in their mind as he exists and thrives as a Jew in this world. My thoughts. Floor is open. Actually, oh yeah, we got two minutes. I finished early today. I always worry when there are no comments. Again, it either means that I was so clear or you don't have a clue what I just said. No, there's a, just a lot to think about. You yeah. know, a lot to put together and then to... Right. You kind of hit on some of the biggest points that there are, Bechirach Hafshi and, and the... The, the idea of Tzalem Elohim, you kind of hit two of the biggies in one day. Right. In a half an hour. Right. That, this, this way of looking at Pirkei Avos, as opposed to micromanaging the words and phrases, which, which by the way, when I say micromanaging, that, that's not always a negative thing. Sometimes you do need, when, when you're learning Torah, sometimes you need to micromanage. In other words, you need to understand the phrase. You need to understand the words, why this word was, was chosen. And, and, that, and it's, a, it's an important way of learning. But you then have to get a macro view of things. And especially in Prikyavas, where I think that it's laying down for us the very basis of our hashkafas achayim, our outlook to life, and how a Jew is meant to, to look at and process life. So I think that it becomes, it, it becomes very critical to be able to, to sort of step away from the Mishnah, look at it, look at it in a global sense. You know, look at, it, at the Mishnah in, the, in a whole. And to say, you know, that you can you can look at each piece and say, you know, look at them and, and on their own, or you can tie all three of them together as we've done and say, what it's presenting to me is that this is the outlook that I need to have as I interact with the world, as I interact with non-Jews, as I interact with my with myself and finding my own place inside of the world.